Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? Tis the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon who is already sick and pale with grief. Hello and welcome to SNS Online and our third in our bite-sized series featuring vibrant and challenging new theatre across the UK. Today we head to Southampton to lose ourselves in the heightened romance and drama of the world's most famous couple. Well, aside Adam and Eve, Romeo and Juliet. But this is Romeo and Juliet with a rather significant twist. Oh, it is my man. Oh, it is my love. Oh, he knew he were. Two of the fairest stars in all the heavens having some business do entreat his eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if those stars were there, they in his head? The brightness of his cheek would shame those stars. As daylight doth a lamp, his eyes in heaven would through the airy region stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how he rests his cheek upon his hand. The eye were a glove on that hand. The eye might touch that cheek. Hey, me. He speaks. Speak again. Oh. Romeo. Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? An all-male version of Shakespeare's arguably most famous play, featuring opposing rugby teams representing the Houses of Montague and Capulet respectfully. And throughout the show, we'll be going live to our sports correspondent, Nick Cavill, who will be covering the Montague v Capulet game as it happens. Nick. Capulets and Montagues were both poised for conquest today and they've got a battle on their hands in their quest to be respected as the top dog in the kingdom of Verona. Hey, nonny nonny, this is not. As the players get ready to cry havoc and win the Verona League Championship. And Nick will be back shortly with live coverage of the game. But before we interview Romeo and Juliet themselves, as well as producer Daniel Raymond Harris, let's hear from those star-crossed lovers late one summer's night on the balcony overlooking an orchard in Verona. Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt not, be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Shall I hear more? Or shall I speak at this? Tis but thy name that is thy enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's Montague? Tis nor hand, nor foot, nor 
arm, nor leg, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? Hi, my name is Troy Chessman, and I am playing Romeo. Hi, my name is Bevan Thompson, and I'm playing Juliet. So I, I was part of the production last year as well, um, and Romeo is, is a really interesting character in this context because obviously it's an all-male production and we're, we're looking at his sort of coming-out story. So Juliet's obviously a male as well, and what we're really exploring is how sexuality and stuff is, is perceived in sports and things like that, and we're taking to all these considerations, you know, how it must feel for somebody to, to live in that world, to, to come out in that world, and it's really quite thought-provoking for me as personally like when I, I put myself in his shoes I'm thinking actually how must this feel like how does it feel from the outside looking in you know and the importance of love and ultimately it's still a love story but everything else that sort of comes in the way and the barriers and it's it's a, it's a wonderful journey for me it's Romeo he goes through a lot in a very short space of time it's such an interesting character to play in this context uh, obviously it's there's still the same line, still the same character that it was written back as uh, as a female back in original. But um, it brings out so much more of a uh, feisty nature in this character, someone who has experienced sexual relations before but never experienced love in this sense. It's because it's a, a female character. We all know it as a female character in the history. So I, even I find myself calling uh, Juliet a she yeah. as much as a he, but... Uh, well, it's just like Doctor Who changes genders. Yeah, we don't exactly. have to worry about it these yeah. days, do we? Yeah. <laughs> we went to Edinburgh last year with it, and this year we're, we're back again. Bigger and better, I think. We're performing at Assembly. I don't know if we can say that. But yeah, we're performing at Assembly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah we're, we're in a bigger venue. And a, a, That's a pretty good venue. It's an amazing venue, yeah. So I'm really excited. And then we're, we're also going on tour with it as well. So we're reaching Bournemouth, we're going to Oxford, we're going to London... Um, yeah, taking it to new audiences, which is really yeah. exciting. And then later on in the year, we're also doing a schools tour, which is, for me, I think is the most important thing because we're going to be spreading this message with younger people, which I think is really important. I have night's cloak to hide me from their sight. And but thou love me, let them find me here. My life were better ended by their hate than death prorogued wanting of thy love. Dost thou love me? I know that wilt say I, and I'll take thy word. Yet if thou swearest, thou mayest prove false. At lovers' perjuries, then say Job laughs. O oh, gentle Romeo, if thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully. Daniel Raymond Harris, the show's producer. So we went up to Edinburgh Fringe um, to kind of test the water and kind of go, we're a new company, let's make this show that has all of our mistakes and we get it all wrong and then come back with a tail between our legs and start fresh. That is the complete opposite of what happened, thankfully. Um, We had some fantastic reviews, four and five stars, um, had a sellout run. So we then kind of went, okay, we now need to reconsider what what the plan was and uh, remount it, which is what we're doing now. For me personally, um, Matthew Bourne and everything he does with dance has always been a huge influence. And I've kind of been reinventing stuff for years in to varying degrees of success. Um, but this idea has always been there. Romeo and Juliet has always been has always been my favourite play, and it's always been the one I wanted to to reinvent. Mm. And the idea of of making it all male and 
how could we make that work? And we kind of went, we liked the idea of two rugby teams. That's for two houses. For two houses Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So two, instead of two houses, it was two rugby teams. Um, and we decided on that because we thought that rugby was the, the sport you could be most theatrical with. The movement itself is very choreographed. You have certain moves. You have a line-out. You have a scrum. You have all of this that are movements that have to happen in a game. So some, some wonderful choreography to look forward to as well. Yes. Um, so we have moments throughout, because it's a physical theatre piece, where there is movement, um, but there is, there is a rugby game in the show which has lifts and all of that stuff that you can look forward to. And we're live now to our sports correspondent, Nick Cavill, who's at the scene. Apparently it's turning into a bit of a Florin Dreadful, Nick. The first half of this intriguing match has been a barbarian-style cavalcade of ambitious offloads and daring bursts forward, but it's also been interspersed in equal measure with errors and colossal hits. The Capulets' lively fly-half, Tybalt, was inches short of scoring the opening points, but it was the Montague's test winger, Lady Montague, who intercepted a Tybalt pass to storm over for one of the few tries of the first half without even ruffling her wimple. And all the while, in the midst of this scrum, Romeo and Juliet, while they've been trying to relieve the pressure, but they've also been trying to ensure that the acrimony does not turn too nasty, much to the disappointment of their families. Now, this version of Romeo and Juliet obviously allows you to explore the very important and relevant theme of toxic masculinity. Uh, is this an issue that never really seems to go away? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I think it's an issue that's been there for since the beginning of time, basically, but is only now really coming to the front of everyone's kind of thoughts. Um, as a gay man that enjoys a pint in rugby, it's always something that but then also has worked in gay clubs in his life, mm. is they're kind of unfortunately been two separate worlds and it's it's always weird that you that you can like both. Yeah. Um, people don't seem to get that, that um, idea that we yeah. could be quite three-dimensional like yeah. um, other people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like I can have a pint and enjoy the rugby and then in the evening go and see musical theatre and sing along to every single word. Um, <laughs> but that's just, that's what it should be. And I think um, it's a shame, especially in our community that that's still a thing that it's still that you're either straight acting or femme like you can't be you can't be a bit of both but within the play itself we're taking the idea of toxic masculinity and throwing it into the fire one of our cast um, a couple of our cast played rugby and one of whom said that when he was playing as a teenager if someone had come out then it would have completely changed the dynamic of the group. And even though that he's not homophobic and he doesn't think that any of his team were, it would still be a, a threatening to their masculinity that a gay man was in, in the showers, in the locker room and all of that lot, even though for five years I'd been getting changed and it being nothing and probably doing the lad the laddish thing of <laughs> arse slapping and all of that lot. But the second that you put... And the rest. Absolutely, yeah. Um, initiations, what? Um, yeah, that it would completely change the dynamic. And that was really interesting to explore. And I think as well, I think the reason our conversations have gone further is because everyone involved in the project is in the arts. And the arts, as a sweeping generalisation, is far more accepting yeah. than 
than would be. So I think even if you do play rugby and are an actor, you're still slightly weighted towards this kind of more liberal way of yeah. thinking. So we had to kind of step back and go, we know these characters aren't us and they're completely not going to think the same way we do because of how liberal the arts is as an industry. By yonder blessed moon, I swear that tips with silver all these fruit trees. Oh, swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon, which monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that lie love prove likewise variable. What shall I swear by? Do not swear at all. Or if thou wilt, swear by thy gracious self, which is the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. If my heart's dearest love. Well, do not swear. Though I joy in thee, I have no joy in this contract tonight. Tis too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like lightning, which shall cease to be ere once here lightens. Sweet, good night. This bud of love, by summer's ripening breath, may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night, good night. But you're taking this to schools as well, which I, mm-hmm. I, I think is very, very progressive. I mean, are you worried at all by the reaction of some of the, the boys in the mm-hmm. class? Because they might be giggling and embarrassed and come from all sorts of different backgrounds mm-hmm. who might have uh, different attitudes about homosexuality. And that is, in a sentence, exactly why we're doing it. Um, it's very brave. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to, to just to challenge and just to open eyes. Um, I think the play is going to be very bold. Um, there's only certain things that we're going to take out of it, and that is that there's some nudity in the show, and that's... Just take the out. Exactly, yeah. No um, <laughs> Just Just to spread the good words. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Just apologize. Um, yeah, so, we, yeah, just we're just taking the nudity out, but we think all of the actual content, we're not going to take out. We have said that it's for GCSE in sixth form, so it's kind of years 10... Um, upwards. So hopefully they'll be a bit more cool. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm just hoping that if there is that kid that does giggle and has a negative impact, that uh, reaction, that everyone around him is kind of like, shut up. Yeah, and I think if it helps the kid that isn't quite aware of themselves or is fully aware of themselves and doesn't know how to speak to anyone, um, unfortunately the ending is... Not the most positive ending for the characters, but um, it's very sort of typical of gay drama and then fifties and sixties, all very tragic. <laughs> and that's and that is something that we'd like to explore in further shows of not just showing a negative. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, once you, when you say that um, in the prologue that two characters are going to die, you can't really change that. <laughs> I hear some noise within. Dear love, adieu. A thousand times, good night. A thousand times, the worst to want thy light. Love goes towards love, as schoolboys from their book. But love from love, towards school with heavy looks. Sleep, dwell in thine eyes, peace in thy breast. Would I were sleep in peace, so sweet to rest. Do you think that this could be a start of a number of great romances reimagined with an all-male cast? So going back to Matthew Bourne, you've got Swan Lake, that he is reimagined all-male. You've got HMS Pinafore, um, which has an all-male cast. They're definitely there. But I think it's 
And I mean, it's lucky for us at the moment, they're quite niche. Mm. I mean, I'm thinking of things like uh, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, and abs- absolutely, yeah. So we're looking... I have to marry off all my boys. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ooh, fadi da. <laughs> and then I think that's that's interesting, isn't it? Because that we're... That it changes so much um, to the characters and you kind of go, oh, it's that's weird by placing men in those roles. Oh, how they're behaving to each other is weird. Um, so, for example, in Romeo and Juliet, um, Lord Capulet ma- is trying to marry off Juliet to to Paris and then when we when we looked at it we were like oh that's so weird that this man is um trying to marry off his cousin in this um so how do you get around that then so we still we still did it mm. um we yeah we still go for it we kind of went oh, do we change this and then we were like, that's not the point of what we're doing. It's almost like it's, you're accepting it's a parallel world. If this is fantasy on a absolutely, certain level, yeah. but, but you're still getting the important um, points absolutely. that you're making. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to we wanna kind of hold that mirror up and make people still think, oh, that's weird that he's marrying off a man. Oh, but that's weird that I'm thinking that. So we're still, we don't want to change it because we want to... So you're actually challenging yourself during Absolutely, that. 100%. Yeah, we could have easily gone, let's just skip over that bit because it's a bit difficult. Um, but that's not the point. And that, I think that then silences the fact that women have been married off for years by men in their family. So do you think it helps to keep Shakespeare fresh to modern audiences by radically evolving its staging? Shakespeare, and I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience at school, was always kind of seen as, Ugh, we've got to do Shakespeare, we've got to pass an exam on it. Um, and I think... I wanted to go back in time and bump him off. So I didn't have to study him <laughs> and Chaucer as well. But Absolutely. there you go, just, just threw Luckily that Luckily I missed him. Um, but yeah, and I think that's... Education at the moment is just about ticking boxes and passing an exam. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happened to Shakespeare. It's when they're not in lessons to enjoy it anymore, unfortunately. They don't have the time or the resources to do that, especially studying Romeo and Juliet. And I was also lucky enough to see Ian McKellen when he was here recently. And just hearing him speak Shakespeare is... uh, An actor's wet dream, basically. Um, But yeah, and just to be able to to know how beautiful and how interesting Shakespeare actually is by it not just being for an exam. I think we shouldn't have to radicalise it to make it more appealing to people. Um, They should be able to just go to the Globe and take a £5 ticket and stand and and be able to enjoy it that way. But if, if there's any way of making people enjoy Shakespeare more, that's what I'm about. And it also shows that it's, it may be hundreds of years old, the texts, but everything is so relevant. And that it just shows that the struggles that people are having now are completely the same as the struggles that people were going through in Elizabethan era. So, Daniel, best of luck with the run. Uh, remind us uh, where it's uh, going to be played in the country. Absolutely. So, on the 18th of May, we have a preview performance of the show. And that's at Hangar Farm at Totten. There's a Q&A afterwards so that we can get feedback from the audiences so that we can build the show on audience feedback. Um, then on the 1st of June, we're at the Old Fire Station in Oxford. 
Um, there's two performances on that day. And then on the 30th of June and the 1st of July, we're at the King's Head Theatre in London, both at seven o'clock on both of those days. And then on the 11th of July, we are at the Shelley Theatre in Bournemouth. And that's on a Thursday, the rest of it, more of the weekends. Um, and then we're up to Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Festival uh, for the whole run this year. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's brilliant. The assembly yeah. room. Uh, yeah, the assembly rooms at that brand new venue, the Bijou venue. Um, so yeah, please do come and see it. <laughs> In the second half, we've seen the Capulet scrum half Count Paris making serious ground with probing runs. He's been trying to get as close as he can to Juliet, but his plan has been short-lived as he's been crushed in the ensuing ruck. All this as the hapless Prince Aeschylus watches on from his wing. Meanwhile, Montague's fullback Benvolio, serving, let's face it, as an unsuccessful peacemaker, has been again struggling to calm the situation as the gargantuan Capulet pack continue their aggressive, sometimes illegal fight back. And what I can tell you is that we're set for an extended period of injury time today. Nurse really has had her hands full towards the end of this game. And from what I've seen so far, there's worse to come. The only thing that will ultimately reconcile these feuding families is a bloodbath. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Nick Cavill sports Nonny Nonny at the Globe in Stratford. People should see this play because it, it is Romeo and Juliet, but it's like you've never seen it before. We're saying the same text, the same language, but the world is completely different. You'll be hearing lines for the first time, and I think that's really important. And, and the messages that we have, um, it just brings it to life. It gives it new life, and I think it's really exciting. To bring the characters anew with such a different relationship between each people and the themes and messages in this play, it's something that's very important to today's society. Romeo! My dear. At what o'clock tomorrow shall I send to thee? At the hour of nine. I will not fail. Tis twenty years till then. I have forgot why I did call back. Let me stand here till thou shalt remember it. I'll stand here to have thee still forget. And I'll still stand here to have thee still forget, forgetting any other home but this. Tis almost morning, I would have thee gone, yet no further than a wanton's bird who lets it hop and skip a little from her hand, like a poor prisoner in his twisted gyves, and with a silk thread plucks it back again, so loving jealous of his liberty. I would I were thy bird. Sweet, so would I. Yet I should kill thee with much cherishing. Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I should say good night till it be morrow. <laughs>